Wine Daddy's mixtape tour is coming back to the Capitol Theatre in Bendigo, Saturday, June the 15th, 2024. Tickets are on sale now. Early bird tickets start today for two weeks. So get your $10 off each ticket, lock it in, and we'll see you at the Rewind 80s Mixtape Tour, the world's greatest 80s hits. For more information, rewind80sband.com. We'll see you next year, Bendigo. Woo! bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving They just use your mind Step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away In the same boat with a lot Dolly! of friends Dolly! Hey, we're starting with Dolly! Dolly Parton! Mate, what a cracker song, huh? Amazing. 1980. I actually used to think it was 70s for a long time but it was 1980 and I love it. And beautiful. I mean, this is from the film of the same name, this single. Yeah. And this was, um, the film was actually Dolly's big film debut. She hadn't sort of acted in a film before this. She was good. She was fucking great in this. And that's what we're talking about tonight, not Dolly. We will do a Dolly show soon. Nine to five, everyone's getting tired. We're all ready for the end of the year. And it just feels a bit lethargic, doesn't it? So we're going to pep you up tonight, ready to go for another couple of weeks. Yeah, everyone's a bit stuffed. So we're doing sort of songs about work, you know, work is the theme. Um, and there are a lot. There it was, are. It, it was very easy just to sort of pick these off the top of the head. It was. It's a subject. Yeah, 100%. Because musos understood the difference between real work and, and what people still consider not a real job, music. Mm. Um, and it's a real bloody dilemma for a musician or an artist to think I could have an easier life and do a nine-to-five job or I could take the risk and it's an interesting subject because it's something that I always felt pressured by with the, with, um, the world mm. and the community but it's just not in me. I just yeah. I have to be an artist, you know, whatever. It's hard. I do work a sort of nine-to-five job. Um, yeah, and but you do creative stuff, you know. Yeah, that's right. But it's still mm. not natural to me. It's still not yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, doing a doing a sort of day job does not come naturally to me. I'm I'm I really sort of 
I'm I'm the square peg pushing myself through the round hole, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, and you know, I do it. I do it because I sort of. Um, I don't know, I like to keep busy. I'm sort of trying to support the family and do the right thing. It's not cheap to try to buy a house these days in Australia. No, so, look, I'll, I'll fucking do whatever I can really. And, um, you know, I always used to – it was many years. It wasn't until I was – it wasn't until I was bloody forty-five that I got a that I got a big boy job, you know. And um, before that, it was ju- like I was just purely earning my living from being an artist. And um, I loved that life. And I sort of, uh, I, I kind of, I, I remember sort of like looking people, looking at. I'd be heading off to a gig. At sort of 5, 5 or 6 p.m., you know, you're rocking up for sound check or whatever and looking out the window at people going home and I, I mm. think to myself like all of society is sort of designed around people going and doing nine to five office jobs. Like anybody outside of that, it's like, oh, well, good luck, you know. Like there are no shops open. There's not as if you can go into the bank or the post office or, you know, it's very hard. Like like life is designed around that sort of, um, you know, heterosexual nine to five existence. And if you're if you if you're not within that world, it's it can be tough, you know. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. They've. I mean, there's been times where the eighties montage. I don't even know if we introduced our show. Oh, the eighties montage. Yeah, I'm Sammy. And I'm Jay Jovi. And we're talking about working. It's the. It's like the body knows it's the end of the year coming up soon, and it's tricky because you can't sleep, you, you're a bit anxious about the end of the year. This year I think it's tricky for people that really want to buy presents as well because no one has extra cash mm. and it's a bit of a crappy year really but the, I think what we've got to learn is it's about spending time with people at the end of the year and it's really important that you like your job. I think that's been my mantra is that if you don't like your job, what the fuck are you doing? 100%. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so working nine to five, that song used to grate me a bit, to be honest with you. I think it's a great little ditty, but I used to think, why would you do it if you're not happy? And the boss is an asshole. So it depends on how you want to live, but... Yeah, it's tricky. And then some days I feel like, oh, I just love a fucking normal job in a pizza shop or something, you know? Yeah. It's that whole scenario of, oh, it's just – because when you do your own thing, you have to love it because you probably work on your own thing more than you would at a job where you walk away at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. It's a a lot longer. Mm. It's it's funny, isn't it? Sort of like – whether you're an artist or, you know, it, it doesn't matter sort of what industry you're in, if you have a calling, like if you you are just drawn to something, doesn't matter if you're an artist, if, you, if you've got a calling and you just have to do that thing, in some ways it can be easy because there's no question. You know, you're definitely, you're definitely doing that. It's all you can think about. Some people don't. Some That's people right. have got no fucking That's idea right. how they're going to fucking live their life and how they're going to support yeah. themselves. And yeah. and um, even though you know, I always used to think, oh, you know, being an artist is tough. You sort of it's it's you, you're just sort of living from one job to the next. There's no security. Um, even though you love it, you have a fucking fantastic life. It's so heaps of fun. You meet amazing people. You get to travel normally. All of that. 
um, you like I, I just thought no, I always used to think to myself, fuck, if you didn't have that calling within you, how fucking scary would that be? Well, that's right. And is it because they're not listening to their body or there's just nothing there, you know? And talking about calling, we the thing that I love about our job is there are people with jobs that are harder than everyone else's and we saw this Friday night because we did the Victorian police homicide event. Yeah. And we haven't put it up online because I don't like to they're not they're not allowed to be online the police, but the podcast is fine. These guys go out every week and they pick up murderers. They go out to huge dramatic scenes of people that have been killed by someone or they've, you know, and then they get them in the courts and the courts throw them back out again. The government is just throwing them back out again. And Lisa, who was uh, one of the women there that we get the booking through, was just saying it's unbelievable we're doing all this work and the government's just letting them free again, you know? And not just that, they're sort of like um, cutting them down, reducing their budget, like all of this kind yeah. of thing. And it's like, shouldn't we be pouring more money into our police 100%, service? You know? That's right. So, so that was interesting for me. It's funny, isn't it? Because sort of because we work on the night scene, um, we've always sort of had a bit of a love-hate relationship with coppers because mm. often often we like to have a few drinks after a gig, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you're you driving drive home, home and all of right. that. And yeah. You sort of – you've got similar kind of – you've got similar clocks, you know. You're always – we're always running into coppers, you know. They're always mm. walking into our venues, standing up the back, checking everything out, so especially yeah. when we're at the spot. Remember that? Yeah, that, yeah, remember that, the, yeah that's right. Remember the coppers used <laughs> to walk into the spot and we'd fucking see the hats down the back and yeah. we'd like – We'd like go, hey guys, the fuzz are in here. Like everyone act normal. No one do anything different. You know, like we'd make yeah. a big deal out of it. It was fucking funny. It's but, funny um, because in those years the spot was really well behaved yeah. when we were both there. So there was never any problems because people were there for the music. I I like the police coming into venues. I don't mind it at all. I think it's mm. a great thing. But the calling of someone is exactly my point. So on one hand, we're in the band entertaining these people, the police, homicide, and they've lived their life. Like one of them's been there for 33 years. Could you imagine what they've seen? I just don't know. I can't fathom that. And But I'm happy that I can entertain them for one night and take their mind off the shit they see during the week. That's yeah. where I stand with it, you know. It actually, it actually makes you realise... There are fucking horrible things that happen in life and somebody's got to have the balls to come along and clean up the mess. That's it. And it just makes you incredibly grateful. Like fucking we sing songs. Yeah, yeah, we sing songs. You know what I mean? (laughs) We we sing songs so that people can dance. We get drunk. Yeah, we we get get drunk drunk and fucking swear at people and sing songs. Oh, hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you (laughs) know what? They love what we do and, like, they loved that night and they just, they they couldn't appreciate it more and we had beautiful food, we got drinks, we got alcohol, everything just runs smoothly and um, I feel like sometimes we are a bit of a service to the community that work hard. I've always thought that actually because I'm a Virgo so I like to be a service to the community. The service that I've always had in my head is 
I'm going to make your week that's fucked up, your shit job you go to on the weekend, I'm going to make you feel better about your life. That's not the whole life but just make you feel a little bit better. That's sort of our job, I guess. Absolutely. And you can see it sort of like when we play songs live like Working Class Man and the response that we get is yeah. just profound every single time but we can go into that later. Um, that's right. Let's um, let's go through sort of nine to five and a few little fun facts. This was Dolly's only solo number one track. Wow. Her only number one. So she went to number one with Islands in the Stream, but that was a duet with good old uh, Kenny. That's right. Um, also, she was she was um, she got an Academy Award nomination for this. Mm-hmm. She got uh, four Grammy. Grammy nominations for this yep. and it went to number one on three different charts, the the country music, the Billboard Hot 100 and the adult contemporary charts. That's yeah. fucking incredible. It was huge. Yeah. This was the first song where I saw Dolly. I, I Maybe I saw Jolene but very vaguely. I wouldn't have remembered Jolene but this was the commercial side of Dolly where I thought it was great. I loved um, Fonda, uh, what's her name? Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, yeah, yeah. I loved her. Lily Tomlin, and, the other one. But can I say I've never, ever watched the movie. I'm just a little bit scared of it because it's about nine to five living. I just can't it's do it. It's very camp. Is it really? Very camp. Wow. Well, you got fucking, you know, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton. That's, oh, that's Lily a, Tomlin's that's brilliant. A fucking, yeah. that, that's a gay man's dream. It is. Cast. It is. That's right. Yeah. Should we play another tune and then come back and have a chat? Absolutely. There's one more fun fact. So yeah. Sheena Easton uh, released a track called Nine to Five a couple of months before uh, Dolly yes. released her Nine to Five. That's right. Very close now, they were. the year later, Sheena would release that track in the US but change it to Morning Train. So because yeah. it was only only three months after uh, Dolly's Nine to Five was released so that there was no confusion. And so that's why you get that sort of Morning Train Nine to Five in brackets. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you say that because I remember being little and going, fuck, there's a lot of songs about Nine to Five. Yeah. What the fuck's <laughs> going on? And this is where I think the idea came from, right? Because I'd be like... Sheena Easton, Dolly Parton. What what else are we going to write about? You know, so this is where the ideas sort of come from. Yeah, I might have seen something on the TV during the night when I stay up doing whatever, and um, I've gone. That's a good subject. Like it's a shit subject, but it's a good subject. Yeah, just talking about what people do for day gigs and and uh, the songs that have been written about it because it was a huge dilemma for artists and for people. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. Unreal. Here we go. Another track. Huey Lewis. Sunday morning ever, and Sunday pass on by. I'll be working here forever, at least until I die. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. I'm supposed to get a raise next week, you know that when I want. Cause I'm working for a living Hey, I'm not complaining Cause I really need to work 
Absolutely. He was a trucky Huey Lewis before he was a muso. Trucky. A trucky. Wow. He's got yeah. a good vocal. I'll give him that much. He has a good vocal. Yeah, it's the sort of working man's vocal, isn't it? It's the working man. This song feels like work though, like the like you know where you punch yeah. the card or whatever they have. So it's an interesting little truck, but yeah, Huey Huey mentioned it as well. There you go. Yeah, that's it. And this appeared in a film as well. This was in Big with uh, Tom Hanks. They used to be um, one of my favourite films as a kid. And that came out in 1988. Right. I loved Big. Yeah, I can't remember it. That was sort of Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was doing um, lots of comedies. Like he remember he was in Splash with Daryl Hannah. Uh, he was yeah, in, that's good. Was it the, like The Man with the Red Shoe or some shit? Um, up and, his and, ass. <laughs> yeah, man with a shoe up his ass. And then, um, <laughs> then he did sort of big in '88. He was he was on top of his game in about '88. And then because Big was sort of um, Big was quite dramatic. It had some sort of big tearjerker moments in it. It was a be- really beautiful film, and it was a, I reckon a precursor for Forrest Gump because he was sort of playing that simpler version of himself as a kid. Um, And I really think maybe, you know, I'm not sure about the casting history of Forrest Gump, but um, I know from film casting that they, if you have a big hit, they just want you to do that thing that you did over and over and over again. You know, oh, oh, yeah, that's oh right. my God, good, he's great great at playing fucking idiot savants. We'll get him to fucking, oh, okay, here's one, Forrest Gump, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, true. Uh, he, the, I reckon the, Big was his sort of crossover into dramatic films, old Tom Hanks. I don't like him as a dramatic actor, but um, I prefer him as a comedian, but now I can't stand him at all. So there you go. Um, right. I don't mind Huey Lewis though. I don't mind Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis is good. Mm. And when you think working class in Australia, you think Barnsley, yeah, but there's oh, another yeah. band, there's another band that wants to fucking not work. Who would that be? Our the mate. Uncanny X-Men. <laughs> hey, our mate. Our mate fucking Brian. Yeah, another Brian, another Brian, Brian who's our mate. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of Brians at our mate because Brian told us. Um, so we're going to play this one. This one came to mind straight away. This was also a scary song for me. I just looked at Uncanny X-Men and thought, fuck, there's two wogs and three skips in that band and I don't know how they work because at school we didn't mess with the skips and the wogs. We all didn't mingle. So this was, I don't know. Something that made me feel like, oh, maybe you can hang out together, you know. You know when you were little at school? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, God, Chuck Hargraves was in Uncanny X when he was the guitarist and he was the hottest one in the band, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I've met him one once and he 
was quite quiet guy, like a quiet dude. Mm. And I remember as a kid going, oh, God, he's so good looking. What's he doing in that band? But it wasn't all about looks, was it? No, no, absolutely not. But uh, this one's a ripper. It's called Everybody Wants to Work. Manix, you mongrel, get back to work. Yes, Mr. Thompson. Say, so, look, how much have I won? Mr. Thompson? Guess what? Fields at the start of the video. He plays right. the boss, which That's is kind of right. cute. Yeah, yeah. Old Brian Mannix used to do a fair bit of acting. He used to no, have a well, lot that's of. Right. He used to have a lot of sort of crossover appeal. He did. You know, he was on he was TV a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Flying Doctors, wasn't he? Yeah, Flying Doctors. Yeah, he was in. He was in Offspring. He had a. He had a um, little appearance in Offspring as well. Um, <gasps> yeah. Wow. I don't know no, 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 he can act. Brian can act. Um, I really think this is one of their better singles, to be honest with you, because it was – I did believe them. I did believe them. I think they didn't want to work. I well, you know what? That they was were, really good. They were from the western suburbs. They were yeah, from the western right. suburbs in Melbourne. So, um, you know, big – western suburbs of Melbourne, everybody knows, is like big working class area. Tradies, yeah. factory the workers. planes fly over your house. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure the castle was sort of part of 100%. that community, you know. 100%, yeah, all based in sort of uh, Airport West Telemarine area. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think Mano is in Queensland now. Oh, very good. Oh, nice one. He, he, um, uh, mm. he was – I met him uh, on a – he was developing – Oh, God, uh, like a countdown musical. He was going to develop this countdown musical. He did. I was in it. You know oh, I was in it. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, I was only in the Perth season. Okay, And sweet. that's where I met Chuck because Chuck's, I think, in Perth now. Yeah, yeah. But it oh. was a great show. Yeah, brilliant. With Michael, uh, Michael, the comedian from 
I can't remember his name but he was always into science and submarines and he'd take us for drives watching fucking submarines. (laughs) And Maddie would love him. Maddie would spend hours with him. Um, He played Molly in the show, Michael, and um, it was a great show. It was really funny. Oh, brilliant. So he did eventually get it up and running. I just think he had the wrong promoter behind him and they just took all his money. Yeah. That same old chestnut, you know. Yeah, I yeah. remember adding it up going, mate, something's not adding up here. Because artists just want to perform and create. The money think they can sometimes miss that a little bit. Yeah, that's right, absolutely. And that's yeah. everyone, you know. Not particularly good with money, you know. They need And promoters sort of just take advantage of it. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, a couple of things with with Uncanny X Men. I remember they asked Brian. They were like that. Brian always used to get asked. He's a real funny bastard. We know that. Um, they um, they they always ask him in interviews. Why did you call your band Uncanny X Men? And he always says, "Well, the Amazing Spider Man was already taken." It's fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking stupid answer. Another thing. He they had a really really. Um, Dedicated fan base, really vocal fan base. They loved Brian. Brian used to wear. Brian's quite diminutive. He's not sort of. He's not very tall, and he used to wear. Um, you know, amazing hair, amazing big sort of spiky blonde hair. Yeah, yep. got the hair, got the hair, yep. and got the voice. He still got the voice. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And um, he used to wear like a big cod piece. Remember? Yeah, it, it was sort of a. It wasn't really a, it, I don't know, it wasn't like a cameo cod piece. It was more like a flap, yeah. like just a little bit of material. Sharon O'Neill did the same thing as well. I saw oh, those right. two and went, you could put them together and make a fucking duo. Um, <laughs> it was a. It was lycra stockings, uh, not stockings, sorry, lycra tights that you'd wear at the gym with a cod, With yeah, we can call it a cod piece, yeah. 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 Sharon Never and Brian. Never protected much though. Yeah, nah. That's oh, I'm sure Brian's, you know, very, very blessed in it, certain it's areas. It's quite a brave thing to wear when you look back at it, you know. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like it looked really different, and I've always wanted to do that look. Um, the Sharon O'Neill, just the bit of material covering the vag, and and the I think it's a great look, and something as simple as that. When you go and see a cover band, they've missed that whole simple stuff you know of yeah costumes were not fluorescent pink and fucking green and and shit you know yeah it was um quite stylized it may have just been a t-shirt with a bandana around the neck and a little you know pair of gym tights but it looked fucking amazing you know but it'd be just like you know it'd be fucking bands it'd be like black or brown and then you'd have like some kind of accent you know what i mean and sort of no one could work out the cod piece with Brian. You know, it was like a talking point. You know what I mean? Oh, he, really? Yeah, he he sort of um, – he brought a lot of comedy into the act as well. You know, obviously that was, that was his natural thing. So, like, his his commentary was always very funny and that yeah, that um, that used to attract a certain audience. Now, in they were – they became very popular in 1985. They were voted most popular Australian – most popular Australian group at the Countdown Awards, I believe. Yep. And this – it used to be sort of like an open awards, you know what I mean? So they'd have mm. fans and stuff there. Yeah. Um, I think it was to do with the Countdown magazine. Yeah. And Countdown the show. But I think 
you could only vote through the Countdown magazine. So it was yeah, a, right, very much an go. audience participation thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in excess we're in the same category. Yep. And uh, Brian was uh, – they were in most popular Australian group. Brian was in most popular male performer. In excess we're in the same category. Every time – Every time Uncanny X-Men would not win, their fans would go nuts, like boo, go crazy. They were really vocal. And when I think it was, I think it was best group, um, In Excess got called out. One of the fans unfurled this big banner and it had fuck off pop face on it, like directed at Hutchins. Because Michael Michael famously You're had ac- acne scarring, you know what I mean? Even though he was he such did. a beautiful looking dude, he had yeah, sort he of was. Um, acne Well, that scarring. was cool. Of a, that was okay in the 80s to have a bit of pot. I, but it was it, during it, the t- TV broadcast of the awards and so like after that they held their own, uh, like that. Um, they held it sort of quite privately and they didn't have all that fan base on TV because like it went live to air, you know. Fuck I actually off, fuck. went to a Countdown Awards. They were very oh, did good. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, an, they were very good. I went to an ARIA Awards in when it was on the Gold Coast when Pamela Anderson was hosting it. It was oh, wow. fucking wild. It was at Dreamworld. Oh, God. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, kids were a bit vicious to pop stars in those days. They still, I don't know, like I'd still, I don't know, Hutchie was gorgeous, whatever you say, you know, but they were like Collingwood supporters, Uncanny X-Men. 100%. Yeah, they were like Collingwood supporters, absolutely hardcore. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, you would run a mile knowing someone liked Uncanny X-Men because if you got out of line, they were going to whack you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Which is really interesting because the band was so a mixture of cultures. I just it fucking blows my mind how it worked, really. Like yeah. we were very into the one thing when we went at school, you know, like you either yeah. like this band or this band or this person or this person, you know. Yeah. But um yeah, great band. You know, Brian still works today. He's awesome and uh he did do Countdown successfully and that was an amazing show. I think he did it again eventually at Crown. But I lost my job because his daughter was old enough to do it, so she did it. She's gorgeous too. Ah, right. So, mm. Shall we play another song? Yeah, from one well, working man to the next. Yeah, well, this one's the perfect song for it. Here we go. Oh, everyone's wondering 
Love it. I love that second verse. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, the drums change. You're right. Yeah, awesome. Some drummers pick it up, some don't though. It's interesting because mm, we've done gosh. it with a couple of drummers and Maddie will go, oh, second verse is not like that, mate. <laughs> it's um, And Maddie's anal about that shit. Like he, mm. he knows the structure and what has to happen and drives people crazy sometimes. But he wouldn't be where he is in pseudo without knowing where he needs to put stuff, you know. That's right. And where he needs to, you know. But um, Loverboy, oh, this is one of my favourite all-time tracks. I love it. I love when we play it live. It's the a good, keyboards it's, are great. It's a sort of, uh, it's sort of uh, a creeper, isn't it? Because you sort of, you wouldn't expect it and the response is incredible and it's so great yeah. to play. So much fun to play. Yeah, I think people resonated with songs about working anyway that yeah. they would stick out from a lot of other tracks because you'd go... Everyone knows it and you wouldn't have thought that, you know. Yeah. It's a little bit yeah. left of centre but uh, Love a Boy, awesome. Love a Boy, Canadian band and the lead singer Paul Dean wrote the song when he was sort of like going for a bit of a walk one day and he was outside thinking like where the fuck is everybody? And he realised everybody, like the place was deserted because it was the middle of the day and, and they were at work. And it sort of just came to him that concept that like everybody's pretty much waiting to go to the beach and go outside and everything for the for the weekend. They're just trying to get through the week. Yeah, that's right. Because that's all they've got. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah. That's why you got to love what you do. What is hey. it? Like you fucking, otherwise if you don't love it. You, you're basically living for fucking two days times 52. It's not, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a small chunk of the year, isn't it? So, yeah, you do have to love what you do. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm Look, there's there's ways to make money. You just have to be in love with what you do. I know that sounds a bit bizarre but life is too short, mate. You've just mm-hmm. got to do something that you really love. Now, um, the next one obviously is a huge, huge Aussie anthem that we, if we didn't put it in, we'd be like, especially for our overseas viewers, if we didn't put this track in, people would be like, what are they doing? This is one of the songs we do every week without fail and you could be anywhere, anywhere, whatever function and they all sing it with you. Here we go, Jimmy Barnes.
beautiful track. There we go. Working class man. And like lots of people think that Jimmy wrote this, but he didn't. It was written by Journey keyboardist Jonathan Cain. Mm-hmm. But it is his like big definitive song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This was uh, the one he came out with first, I think. It was on the solo. second. It was on the second album. So like jo- okay. um, Jimmy's Jimmy's first album, Body Swerve, even though Jimmy was hugely popular sort of coming out of Cold Chisel um, and they were touring extensively and like he had like all of like, you know, Gedinsky's might behind him pushing him out solo. Um, Body Swerve didn't. Like if you have a, have a look at the track listing, it didn't – it's got like a couple of memorable songs but not big definitive Jimmy Barnes classics, you know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah, say totally. so. So it's sort of – I don't think it really had the sort of artistic impact that everyone expected and it wasn't until the second album came out, I think I think the year after, which was called For the Working Class Man and it yeah, had this well, on that's it. right. I didn't even yeah. know it existed, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought Working Class was his first solo. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it didn't fucking mean shit to me. But that I did – I know that they did – I think this song was offered to them or they went over to America to do the second album. But then yeah, I did. don't know what the stats are on Body Swerve, but I don't remember it being the thing that everyone loved. Like when they did um, – Australian made. It was all about working class man and you know in excess and Jimmy Barnes. But yeah, interesting, isn't it? How this song really broke him as a yeah. solo performer. That's right. So so Body Swerve came out in September eighty four, and then for the working class man came out December eighty five. So yeah, he would have been. Touring extensively within that year, um, there would have been a lot of trips overseas. Yeah, he was obviously in the US trying to break over there. Yep, um, yep. And and that's where he sort of he had um, this song offered to him uh, while he was over there and sort of met Journey and all of that. So and the rest is history. Absolutely, we love it though as Aussies. We had a message from uh, a person about our Millie Vanilli special that I've put in the thread and I can't get the thread up um, about how much they enjoyed the Millie Vanilli special. Can you find that? Have you got the thread there by any chance? Yeah, I'll have a look. I'll have a look. And it was really lovely because we love to get your messages. Yeah, exactly right. And and um, it was funny because when we mentioned – um, when we mentioned Bloody Millie Vanilli Live when we were at South Meringue, there was a bit of a murmur, wasn't there? Like people were like, yeah. ooh. Like, you know, yeah. you mentioned, mentioned Millie Vanilli, it's like, you know, mentioning the devil or something. Um, but, yeah, I always thought that was funny. The message is from a beautiful listener, Angelique Yanis. Yeah. Ange- Angelique, you'll be Greek for sure. So we're already friends. I love that. Um <laughs> Angelique has just said, hi, guys, absolutely love the podcast. Been a listener since the first program. So thank you very much, Angelique, for that. Thank, thank you, first of all. She says, after listening to your fantastic Millie Vanilli special, I thought you might like this. She sent us a beautiful little um, a video from Studio 10 where uh, – what's his name? Ro- uh, Rob? Fab. Is it Rob? Uh, sorry, Fab, Fab. The, the surviving member of MV, yep. uh, appeared on uh, Studio 10. Uh, Angelique goes on to say, thanks for your great insight and fun on the podcast. And Angelique, thank you very much for your support. We really appreciate it. 
Love it. That's all you got to do. And I mean, it's good for us to hear that you do like, you know, subjects matter, you know, that we do. Um, if you haven't seen the Millie Vanilli documentary and you're not a fan, it doesn't matter. It's really interesting because it's really interesting. We're talking about working and working in jobs you love. These guys loved what they did but they were just fucking screwed, you know, and that's the other danger of it is that if you love something too much and you don't financially keep or, you know, the legalities may not be the way you want it, it becomes a bit of a nightmare, you know. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I don't know what I'm trying to say but it was a very interesting time for, um, for Fab especially, you know. Yeah. Now back to Working Class Man. So Working Class Man did exist in a film as well. It was in um, – we've mentioned this before. He was in a Ron Howard film called Gung Ho in 86 and this would have been part of his really big push. They were really trying to break him in the US in the in the mid-80s. Uh, he recorded most of this album in, in LA and New York and – I believe there was an alternative clip, wasn't there? So you had the you had the Aussie one where he was in the cane fields in sort of far north Queensland, and like for me growing up, that was just I felt like fucking seen yeah, and heard, right. and you yes. know it was like because it's like growing up in Cairns, the burning cane fields, like you'd get to sort of the middle of summer, and before they'd harvest the cane, uh, which is everywhere in Cairns they would burn it off to get all the rats and snakes out because there were so many rats and snakes in amongst the cane, they'd have to get rid of them all. So um, they'd burn it off and it wouldn't – it would make the – apparently make the yield of sugar a bit better or some shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it would just be fields of fire and it was just like the most dramatic fucking thing you've ever seen. And I don't know, Jimmy probably saw it when they were out touring and was like, fucking pull over, we'll get some footage, you know. And That's probably, I think that is what happened. They were in the Tarago or something and they stopped to get video footage because it's the most iconic visual. Yeah, really. yeah. And he's just like lathered with sweat, like dripping with sweat and it just, uh, it just reminds me of Queensland summer, you know, like through Christmas and everything where it's like unbearably hot and humid. And um, yeah, it was a it was a beautiful moment. But I believe there was a different um, American clip when they were sort of marketing it over there. I thought the movie was called Working Class Man as well, but I might be wrong. Was there two alternative movies? I mean, there could have been a movie Working Class Man, but the Ron Howard one was called Gung Gung Ho. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be wrong, but there I think there was an American version of the song and an Aussie version. I'm not sure though. Oh yeah, right, right. The um the film is the one with Michael Keaton in it where they work in a um they work in a car factory, remember? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I re- I remember the film. I think I watched it be- because the song was in it as a as a kid. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You would have. And um, you know, that was like that's when I sort of discovered Michael Keaton and fell in love with him. Mm. Mimi Rogers is in that too. Um oh, Tom okay. Cruise's ex. Yeah, I used to love her back in the day. Yeah. Here we go. Now the next track we're going to talk about, I love this track. We'll just play it out. Donna Summer.
I love it. What a track, mate. And the video was amazing. Now, this video made me want to get a day job as a waitress. Yeah, yeah. Because it looked kind of cool but it looked hard but she's like a homeless mom. She's got a couple of kids. The, the clock on the wall's ticky-tocky and she's got to go to work and she hates her life and then they have the alleyway scene, the classic 80s alleyway scene where there were dancers in the alleyway. Always loved it. Always. They're, so you had... They're never there when I'm there pissed. That's right. Usually they're not. not. No. They do come. That's right. Absolutely. This video used to rock my world. Um, I loved it as a kid because it was very girly and stuff like that. And I also loved Young Turks. It was sort of a similar vibe but different, you know. Young Turks was like the male version of it. And I remember thinking, fuck, what a great idea but. She works hard for the money. This was the first song at Grundy's in Queensland at Cavill Avenue. They had a recording studio back in the day. You used to pay like 50 bucks to record two songs, which was a lot of money in the 80s. 50 bucks was fucking a lot of money. And I begged my dad, come on, Dad, take me to the studio. I want to go into the studio. So he goes, all right, we'll do two songs. What do you want to do? And I picked this song and Anita Baker's Real Love. Um, Oh, shit. Sweet Love. Anita sweet Baker, Sweet Love. Lo- oh I love Sweet Love. Oh, yeah, wow. loved it. Loved what a great it. So pair I picked of songs. that and I picked Hard for the Money. And I remember Sweet Love was a little bit easier for some reason, which you would never assume. Uh, and I sang Sweet Love and did my best rendition. You only had about two goes. It yeah, was like, yeah. <laughs> get in, do the studio. Grundy's put it on a tape. They send you out and you pay 50 bucks and then you play it for the rest of your life, you know. Good, really interesting. I, I don't have the copy of it but I can oh, only damn. imagine my voice on it. My mum might have it though in saying that. I'm not oh, sure. mate. You're a one-take so wonder. They would have been incredible. Well, I was only 13 though so I wasn't really yeah, incredible at this so stage. Yeah, so what? You would have still been shit. good. Yeah. Well, I, I just sort of went in and did She Works Hard for the Money and it was just such a great experience and I know – I paid for it but it was just great. I knew then from that day when I put on the jugs and I was in front of the microphone, I knew that was what I was going to do. Yeah. Both my parents knew but what do you do as a parent? Do you do you go, oh, well, this looks great. She's going to have a real job in a couple of years. But I knew where I was going, you know, and it must be scary for parents with creatives as well, you know, that don't understand it. As well, Absolutely, and I think there's there's a big sort of frisson between the working class and artists. You know, they, it, they are different worlds. Like being a being an being an artist is really like a privileged existence if you're if you're coming from a, a working class background. Like I had no other artists in my family. You know what I mean? And it was all mm. working class. Like what what apprenticeship are you going to get? Like what trade are you going to get into? Like after school and all that kind of thing. And I I just always knew that it was going to be in an around performing and um there is you can see within artists across the board that kind of appreciation of the working class and you can see it sort of represented in in songs and video clips and stuff like this and it was a subject um, absolutely yeah gotcha this um this clip and this song, like this was her biggest success up until this date. And she was massive. She was massive around the early eighties. Um, this, the, the clip itself, which was directed by Brian Grant 
was uh, nominated. For, oh, excuse me, first burp. Best female video and best choreography at the '84 MTV Music Video Awards, um, and it was huge. Like it was, it really resonated with people, as you say. That sort of waitress, she's working her ass off, and the thing is, though, like she's singing her lungs out. Like she's really fucking giving it a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's right. And I think that would have resonated with people as well, that she was like trying her hardest, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And Donna isn't playing the subject either. So the subject is being played by this white sort of chick with a perm and a couple of white kids. And I found that really interesting too that, I don't know, we were starting to see the cultures come together a bit and and make everyone the same. It was just starting to happen where we had coloured artists bringing mm. in the white people. It was a weird thing, you know, like a, not a weird thing, it was a great thing but we hadn't seen much of it. It was quite segregated and then this sort of all came together. I can't really think of another video where an artist has, I don't know, I just, I don't know what I'm trying to say but it was, it just felt different when you watched it, you know. Yeah, it would have been... It would have been – they would have done that to appeal to a wide audience obviously and like this was the sort of difficult point for MTV because this is sort of when yeah, Michael that's Jackson right. – Yeah, Michael Jackson and Prince were creeping in and yes. they tried to hold them off for years and years and years and they couldn't any longer because they were so popular. So yeah. right at this time it would have been very difficult for Donna to appear in her own video. Um, so, you know, that would have been a strategic decision on on behalf of David Geffen who was, would, was doing all of – her um, uh, managing her and, and, you know, managing her career and uh, organising all the production and all of that. Um, but, yeah, David Geffen, I mean, he sort of was responsible for some incredible artists around this time. Um, obviously, David Geffen you would know from Geffen Records and he um, he really sort of pushed Cher's solo career, um, Guns N' Roses as well, like lots of big acts like that. He was sort of... He recognised amazing talent and he re- used to really, really push his artists. Isn't there a movie out about it some somewhere? Yeah, I believe there is. How come we haven't seen it? I believe that we were talking about it a while ago, weren't we? We were. We haven't, we haven't seen that yet. I don't know if it's been released yet. I don't think it's Maybe. been released yet. I don't know. Mm. I'd love to know who choreographed it. It was all step ball chain, you know, the big leg around the fucking, you know, the leg around the world, you know, that oh. that whole jazz ballet routine. But full fuck, jazz it was ballet. Good. Yeah, it was full, great. Full like fucking um what do they call it? It's that like that West Side Story fucking yeah. big New York fucking show number, you know? Like yeah, that's fucking right. incredible. Yeah, very exciting. Love the video, love Donna. I think she that would be one of my favourite um, tracks from Donna but can't say much about Donna. I mean she, she went with Stock Aiken and Waterman for a little while and that was a bit different but I really like the electro stuff. I really love that. I think it mm. was amazing. We've got a TV commercial now. This is a good one. Fantastic. From the 80s. Yep. Here we go. Beautiful. I'm stuck on. Get our milk. Go on. Get on. On me, dialed up wild, I'm smiled on milk. Live on milk, slip out, sip out, trip out milk. Live on, live on, live on, live on, live on, live on, live 
on milk. Live on milk. Suck I on milk. I remember that one. I used to live on milk. Yeah, we all did once upon a time. Now, how good are the vocals in that though? Mate, she gives it everything. Like, you had to sing to do jingles in the 80s. You she had was, to have a fucking voice. She was bloody living on milk. She was living on something. She was living on fucking crack, I think, because <laughs> it was pretty good vocal. Yeah. No, look, I, I, I bet you we know who it is, but I just can't place the voice because you always sounded different doing a jingle because the producer would produce you to be dramatic and sell the product, you know. But that was a big campaign, the milk campaign, right? Now, mm. how much have we changed where we don't even drink fucking cow's milk no. anymore? No. Nah. It's like soya latte with the fucking caramel up its ass with the camel outside waiting for me while I get fucking, <laughs> you know. It's just I do soya milk. I can't do cow's milk. I was yeah. growing, I was brought up on goat's milk though. Yeah. Oh, were you really? Yeah, after in I Tassie? think it's ass. Oh, lovely. That yeah, would have yeah. um, brought a bit of a chocolate flavour, I imagine. Yeah, I love fingering my pet goat's ass. It was oh, a thing. Lovely. Oh, lovely. dad used to hate it. Well, that's why your cat loves button. me when I come over. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got fatter fingers. Yeah, maybe. Oh, oh God. He's just so antisocial. He loves but, me now. It's taken fucking. I know. It's taken fucking, you know, 12 years, but he loves me now. He is a shocker. Loves mm. kids though. Loves kids. Like he hung out with Leo, remember? Yeah, yeah, he'll, that's right. He'll do kids, but he can't do adults. It's too much for him. But where chicken, when I had chicken, he used to hate kids and love adults. <laughs> so interesting how the cats do that way. Yeah, there was a big milk campaign. I don't know whether they were thinking people were going to get, I don't know, fit or something drinking milk because it's quite fattening, you know. And uh, I don't know, I think I, I think maybe when big diet crazes were coming in the late 70s and the early 80s, milk was like, yeah, it was seen as this really fattening thing. It's actually not. Like it's actually, I mean, if you're having fucking gallons of it today, like, like a day, anything's going to be fattening. But um, I think it sort of started because people were like, oh, no, you can't have milk and they started drinking skim milk and all that kind of crap. Yeah, grannies um, used to do that. Yeah, yeah. Skim milk was big in the early 80s. Um, my mum was always on skim milk and I remember fucking trying to drink it. It was Shocking. disgusting. Was. It, it's not like it is today. It's not skim, skim milk. Skim milk. Skim milk today you wouldn't even fucking be able to tell the difference. But yeah. um, skim milk back then was fucking awful. Watered I don't down know what they crap. did with it. It's like they yeah. watered it down and sweetened it or something. It was fucking I have weird. No idea. So but um, there was no alternative apart from that. So it's like I don't know why they were going so hard with the with the promo for milk. It's like what what the fuck else were they going to have? It was funny. Yeah, I was yeah, in. Well, um, like- I was in Cairns the, the other weekend. Or something. Oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, in I was in Cairns the other weekend, and I. Ordered an oat latte, and he just like looked at me and like went, "You from Melbourne?" An oat latte, really? Yeah, like that's a that's a Melbourne, <laughs> that's oh. a Melbourne drink. He was like, "You from Melbourne?" I was like, "Nah, man, I'm from here originally, but yes, I live in Melbourne." <laughs> yeah, and what did he say to that? Oh, he was just making it, having a laugh, and asking me what it was like. Like a lot of people from. Cairns never really leave, you know, and he had never been yeah. to Melbourne, so he was quite intrigued. He was like, why'd you move there? And I was like, certainly certainly not for the fucking weather. Um, no. But, um, yeah, we've just booked our 
um, Christmas trip home because my poor mum that we've had to cancel her her 80th birthday cruise because she's not doing so well. So we're going to make sure that we do something really special for mum for our 80th in January. Can um, I tell you I'd rather her not go on a fucking cruise? I just yeah, have to right. Say. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're already – there's been so many incidents – uh, there was a New Zealand thing. A boat wasn't allowed into New P&O, didn't go into New Zealand the other day because the hull was dirty or some <laughs> shit. They were sent away. There's been one boat that's had 150 COVID gastro cases and they're not allowed off the boat. You can't even and, – and the, the weather's fucked. There's just so much bad waters at the moment. Why would you bother? I would rather yeah. not. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I um, – you know? Yeah, out of all the things that – I mean, it wasn't my idea. Out of all the things that I want to do with my mum, going on a cruise isn't at the top of the list really. Like a, a sort of – it's not something no. that – it's something I'd do with maybe one of my brothers and his family but not mum, I don't think. Like imagine if the fucking weather was awful and, and uh, it's yeah. fucking rolling around the ocean and I'm fucking trying to – you know, poor mum trying to sort of calm her down. So, look, it might be a, bl- a blessing in disguise. Oh, definitely so. a blessing in disguise. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I just don't think they're that safe. I'm sorry. I just think uh, we – I mean, we were asked to go on them and I'm so glad that nothing's come about because, I don't know, if you can't get into New Zealand because you need a special bloody da-da-da-da and – I don't want to do that shit. And then yeah. Melbourne's really expensive to dock in Sydney, so a lot of the cruise ships aren't going to come into Melbourne anymore and it's all on. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what's happening is because we didn't have two years of business, everyone's just tripling everything and going, yeah. oh, it costs you this much now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, cowboys, fucking dickheads. That's it. They're everywhere. Yeah. Oh. Well, that. So when do you go to Cairns? Uh, tw- some, oh, um Christmas Eve. Oh, lovely. Christmas Eve and staying for two weeks. So coming back on the 7th, which was my original return date anyway. So, um, yeah. Beautiful. Up up there. Now, um, we've got a Prince track next. Yes. Prince sang about absolutely everything. So, so, you know, he was eventually going to sing about work. Here we go.
There you go. I think Prince was talking about working his penis more than academically. Yeah, which is good. I love it. I love it it too. I'm going to make you work. (laughs) Um, Yeah, interesting. Good old Prince. He would have been talking. Yeah, controversy album. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal album. Yeah. Have we done controversy yet? No, I don't want to do it. Oh, we should really do it. Yeah. We should really do it. Such an album. And this is just so, yeah, and I didn't know what he was talking about again. No but one it did. sounded fun. Yeah. You know, I you think see. he's talking about slamming some chick in the office. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he yeah, wants to fun. work it all right. But uh, I, I love that. I love that approach and, you know, that's that's the thing. Like you go to work all week, you have a route three times a week, Maybe if you're lucky, and you go out and do something on the weekend, you gotta yeah. love what you want to do, man. Like fuck, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's sort of like we were we were sort of trained into that mentality that you fucking give away five days of your week, and then yeah. oh, quickly quickly go out and spend all your money on the weekend, and you know what I mean. Then then fucking nose back to the grindstone, you cunt. Yeah, that's right. So let's just bring up before we finish the show and do one more track. South Morang Hotel, what legends all came out to watch the band. Thank you for coming. The commercial hotel. We had a new sound guy. We had a new sound guy that night and um, a few little technical problems. Um, he did a great job at sort of, yeah, he did. you know, quickly jumping on the job and fixing everything up. And I reckon, look, I think we did a great job to, to sort of uh, um, recover. Share the microphone. Recover, you know. Yeah, yeah, Fucking yeah. hell, mate. Well, we've been in worse situations. Let's look at Tasmania and Mole Creek where the fucking volume, when the, when the whole band went out about 12 times. And we had fucking flown down from Melbourne and oh. stayed stayed the night to play this massive festival and it rains on the day and all their fucking power goes out on stage. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, well, he had to fold back out in the front of the bloody, not undercover, and I think it was just turning the power off. But we have been in situations where they've been really full on. Also want to give a shout-out to Max in Melton. What a fucking crowd that was as well. That was huge and they've booked us again, haven't they? Yeah, we're going back into South Morang and Max again. Uh, they're like our favourite venues. So the other one that we need to do is Skyways. We'll, we'll work that out. But uh, it's great to be back in the pubs just for a little bit, you know, because it's fun. And we did a great couple of new songs. We did Poison by Alice Cooper. They love that. Yeah. And we did The Heat Is On and it was um, amazing, amazing fun. It um it's interesting, isn't it? Because we sort of we were so refreshed to make it into the theatres for a while, and it was fun uh, while we were doing it. And we, we probably will still sort of do the odd theatre gig here and there. Oh um, yeah, we've booked five for next year. We're still doing theatres. Wonderful. Um, it's just we now have our own way with ALH where we're getting the door deal. We're not just getting the shit money we used to get, you know. Yeah. So that's the whole reason. Um, but if we hadn't have done the theatres where we had people pay 50 to $60, I don't know how successful we would have been in that. Exactly. Because a lot of theatre shows will do pubs if you pay money to get in, you know what I mean? We were free and it 
really fucking annoyed me because it was yeah. like we're not fucking free, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then we went up to 10 bucks, like fucking Jesus, really, you know. So that's the reason they sort of feed each other. Um, the only thing I'm not going to do is book bloody theatres in December anymore. I've done that. But we are going to Hobart. I'm just about to fill the agreement now and pay the deposit. So Hobart will be on on the 7th of April. I still love doing the theatres. Like I fucking love putting on a show, you know. At a pub you can't put on a show as much. You've got a little stage and, you know, you can't do dance steps and all that stuff. And you wanted to come out as Freddie though the other night. You were telling me. I mean, I think they would have appreciated it. (laughs) They would have loved it. But, they um, would have either been petrified or loved it. I think they would have. I think they would have fucking loved it. Hey, yeah. g'day to any of uh, our listeners from from Max and Melton that were there the other yeah, night. Yeah, um, great. Be interesting to see you jump on board, guys. So please write us a little message in the comment mm. section if you do on whatever platform you're listening to, um, and let us know that you saw us at Max. We'd we'd love that. That'd be awesome. We've got a couple more tracks to go. This one we mentioned just before. You either love or hate this one, I reckon. Yes, absolutely. Here we go. I hate the verses. I love the chorus. Yeah, well, that's right. There's a big difference, isn't there? My old man thought this song was Jesus Christ and loved it. He would have loved it, yeah. Loved it. And I wasn't sure of Sheena. Like she just didn't look like a rock star to me until Prince fucked her up. You know what I mean? Oh, she needed that. Yeah. When Prince fucking didn't root her obviously but turned her into a hooker, it was fucking cool. But before that I just – Thought I was watching my auntie. Oh. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. She was a young girl. This is the thing. Young girl, really she's... young, and and then not only that, she's going out with a train driver. Yeah. And I yeah. took this shit literally. Like, why would you look like that and go out with a train driver? Yeah, yeah. But it Funny, fucking worked. <laughs> she um, she fucking. I don't know. I think she was at her sluttiest in the. 
Um, she she churned out a lot of albums as well in in the she, like I think by ninety one she had done ten albums, which is fucking incredible. Oh yeah, she's very successful. Yeah, she. But I just she, like um, her slutty. I like her slutty too. Prince obviously had a massive effect on her. Uh, it was when. I think she left Prince that she was her sluttiest, strangely. It's like she sort of took everything that she learned from Prince and, like, you know, really went for it. Because remember she had that track, 91, called What Comes Naturally and the video got banned everywhere because it was like fucking soft porn. I think that was Prince though, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was I've never known her not to use Prince... She used I know Prince she for did. like Arms of Orion and, and like Strut and You Got the Look and all of that. That was all Prince. Well, that was, yes. The but that was, was, that was yes. 80s and then 90, come 91, um, I think no, she No, I've got an album that Prince wrote on it. There was a no. song called 101. And that's very fucking Prince. You have a listen to that. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, Lover in Me was all Prince. He Talk doesn't about come. the lover in me. He doesn't – yeah, Lover and Me was – that was the previous that, that album. That whole album. That was 88. So Lover and Me Lover and Me um, was 88. What Comes Naturally she was 91. Went, she sort of went camp though. She did the big gay anthem thing. That was sort of later in the 90s and sort of turning into the new millennium and I hated that period for yeah, her. I didn't like it either. So I guess if you're going to be slutty though, you can't really go back. Can you? You can't really go, I'll take the fishnets off and fucking get on the train again. Do, you know, hide You just ruin tits. your career. Po- poke my tits away and. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Put a, put I, a nice I, jacket on. The accent used to not, that was just not sexy, the accent. Yeah, it was weird, just, wasn't it? She looked great and then she'd open her mouth and, Ugh. you know, but uh, he made her relevant. Hundred percent. Oh, like yeah, she totally. had this one hit. She had for your eyes only the James Bond movie. That's it. So she was kind of huge. I don't know how Prince saw this slut in her though. That's the thing that fucking I can't get. I think that's what he that, does. You know, that's his effect. But that's like fucking. I don't know. It's it's yeah. But he, he all these slutty chicks had beautiful bodies and long hair. Yeah, yeah. And that's then he it. picked up this fucking. Mum thing with short yeah. hair. As much as I love her and she can fucking sing, yeah. I think she he might have liked the voice. I think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm not sure she was that great to him. Like she wasn't wonderful to him. She sort she of loves doesn't telling say the story nice things afterwards. Yeah. She, yeah. She loves telling the story that she never banged him. It's like, yeah. well, who cares? We just want songs, you know. Your but fucking she's, loss. <laughs> she's, she sort of brings no. that up. It's like I never banged. It's it's weird. Because it was like, a rumor. Why would you bring that? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Of course. Because Prince banged everything, you know. But yeah. And yeah. I tell you who he did fucking bang. Aha! Did he really? This cunt now. <laughs>
So this the was Bengals. originally, this was originally, yeah, the Bengals, of course. It was originally written for Apollonia. Um, yeah, it, Prince, you can hear Apollonia sing it actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can actually. You can. Prince, Prince um, apparently gave it to Bengals because he was trying to, yeah, seduce Susanna Hoffs. Well, he did that. He did that. Beautiful. You know, um, yeah, he liked he liked beautiful women it, and Susanna was and she still is, you know, she still looks great. Um, and he, he the, loved sort of um, like he loved brunettes. He loved really sort of dark brunettes. He loved that he sort did, of He did and, and ones that weren't strong singers. So I don't know how Sheena got in. I'd love to know how. Something's happened because she looks like mum and she's got the fucking greatest voice. Yeah. But um, Susanna Hoffs would I mean, have been perfect for Prince actually because she's she's tiny, yeah, and that's right. um, he she was she was gorgeous. Like he he would have been um, he she had been Bambi eyes with her. as well. Yeah, she did the Bambi eyes. Six o'clock already. I was just in the middle of a dream. She did the Bambi eyes, but he made those girls do the Bambi eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like that's all it. his proteges, whether they were Prince proteges or in their own band would have a prince element to them where he would put his signature all over their face. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Whether it was, uh, you know, I reckon yeah. that's what he did. And, um, yeah, no. I, do you like Manic Monday at all? I think it's a bit commercial for me. I've sung it. It's a good thing. I always knew it was Prince. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't because he wrote it under a pseudonym. Um Christopher, which was his character from Under the Cherry Moon. But but um I always knew it was Prince. Just from the placements of the placement of the words, you could just tell. Yeah, I, I didn't sound like Prince to me at all. And and I always I noticed weird. that Yeah, right. I noticed that Prince um always had a preoccupation with like the working class and stuff like with stuff like glamorous. Oh life, yeah, you know, being yeah. poor and glamorous. Yeah, life starfish and, and coffee. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Absolutely, and it's interesting you say that because I was sitting there going, Prince, work, work, work. Oh, let's work, which probably isn't about work at all. It's probably sexual, but you're right. He did look at things and and people that I don't know. Raspberry Beret was a bit like that, you know. She was working down, bobbing down. Pass was Mr. McGee. Like you can yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And I, sorry, I don't remember the lyrics, but amazing songwriter about real life stuff, you know. And it was re- like always really, like real and grainy. Like it was always really ed- like he'd write exact reality about people's lives and their struggles and the things that they cared about and he was honest about their emotions and about their Mm. everyday life and I think that's what really appealed to people is like even though he was like 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 a superstar or a cartoon character or something he was like he was very authentic in terms of humanity he knew people and, and he created people. a language for his fans as well. There was a there was yeah. a subconscious language that went through all of that. Yeah, that everyone used to. Oh my god, what does he mean by this? You know, exactly. What would be your favorite Prince album apart from Controversy? Uh, it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is really hard. Um, 
I actually like I love all the really sort of nondescript earlier ones where there's only sort of one major hit and the rest of them and they're not they're not particularly big albums. One thing that used to sort of annoy me with later Prince albums is they'd have like fucking they'd have like fucking 15 20 tracks on them, you know what I mean? I used to love it when he'd have like eight or nine tracks on his fucking record and they'd all just be like fucking phenomenal, you know what I mean? Um, And I think sort of with the advent of CDs and you could get so much more material onto an album, just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know what I mean? But because Prince was so prolific, he was just wanting to release everything that he came up with. He was like, why not? Why would I hold on to it? Um, But, yeah, long... Long answer, but I don't know. I think I know it's not very exciting, but maybe just sign of the times. I love oh sign no, of the times. That's very exciting. What are you talking about? That's amazing. Yeah, but that's, that's everyone's fucking favorite. incredible. That's everyone's that would be favorite. my number one concert, like oh, yeah. on DVD or video. Like it's yeah. just an amazing concert. I just remember thinking. My school years, Love Sexy came out. I love Love Sexy and I loved Around the World in a Day. And they were so different, you know, from each Uh, other. Yeah. Like Anastasia to this day is still, if I was to have a child, I was going to call it Anastasia after that song. Yeah, Because it was just mind-blowing. I also knew I probably wouldn't have a child as well (laughs) on some level. That's probably why I loved it. But I just love the... The piano and the vocal, and I think I later Prince I wasn't really big in. I wasn't big on, but I also loved the bootlegs, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to love um, the the sort of underground stuff, the releases, the stuff. Yeah. What did they What did they used to call them back then? Um, yeah, like bootlegs and stuff, you know. Like you'd get you'd get like unreleased. Like you know, unendorsed sort of songs that I don't know they'd get pinched from the studio or something, and people would release it. And remember, remember the Black Album. The yeah, Black yeah, Album's black, fucking yeah, awesome. The Black Album was great. Crystal that's Ball. fucking awesome. Um, I think Prince was the only artist to even complain that he could put out more music than the record company wanted him to. Yeah, I think he was probably the only one that went. Well, I want to put out sixteen records a year. You know, yeah, where yeah. they had numbers they had to do, but. Interesting subject, but uh, well, there you go. So, if you're working hard for the weekend, working up, you're working the way up to Christmas, we hope you have uh, fun in the next couple of weeks. How many weeks have you got until the end of school? Two? Hey, mate, weeks. I've got 14 teaching days. Oh, not, wow. Not. Um, not counting fucking this, all the sick days I'm going to take off in between. Fuck oh, yes. right. Fuck yes. Oh, well, I'm, if they hear this, they'll be wrapped. Oh, fuck them. They can, they can. <laughs> no, I won't. Yeah. I won't, but we all know what they can do. Do you know anything about what happened the other day or yesterday or nothing as yet? Oh, yes. I wasn't successful. I went for a job interview yesterday. It was sort of, it was about the, the the jump of about six pay scales for me. I always yep. knew it was going to be a massive leap. And um, look, somebody else, somebody else who was more qualified would have got it. But I couldn't have done a better job in the interview. And, that, yeah, and like, and so I don't. I'm not even disappointed because I know I didn't no. let my, I didn't let myself down. You know what I mean? It would have just been that yeah, somebody with more experience came along and 
and got the job. But the thing is, there's so much, there's so many, so much work out there. There's so many jobs out yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, yeah. that's good. I'm ne- because, not even worried. Yeah, no, that's right. And and I guess that specialised situation, you would have to. I don't know. Do you have ex- do you have to have experience with working with kids with um, Asperger's or something like that? Like, is it all about that? Have they all yeah. Got- and yeah. I just said I worked with the band for heaps of years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I work with Sammy. She's got fucking Tourette's. Do you yeah. speak She's any other language? Do you speak yeah. any other languages? Yeah, yeah speak Tourette's. Sammy. Yeah, speak yeah. Sammy. <laughs> so True, that's our big man. show, guys. Thank you very yeah. much. Love you I'm guys. Gonna, I'm going to jump off and mark reports now. But please, if you love the show, please like, share, rate and review and become a subscriber on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Tell your friends, get them on board. And why don't you, as a little birthday present for yourself or your partner, because we've got a lot of partners, you know, couples that listen to the show, why don't you, as a little Christmas idea, buy them a Patreon and they'll get the extra episodes? Because we've got some couples that are really, really dedicated to this show. So, like, just a little idea there, guys. More dedicated than us. Good on you guys. We love you. And I just want to say a shout out to Lily. We talked about a guy from Chase's Eric Pippensberg last week. Uh, he she let him know. I haven't seen him for years, and he's super excited to be. Uh, well, Lily has introduced him to the show, and now he's listening to the show, and loves the show. And it was just nice to connect back with Eric. If everyone knows Chasers in the day, in the 80s and the early 90s, it would have been more late 80s, early 90s. Oh, until it ended, I guess. You would know Eric and uh, we're going to be doing a show with Eric about Chasers Nightclub. There we go. How exciting. I can't wait for that. Good on you, Lily. I'm very excited to get you on the show. She's a big supporter of ours. She's been sharing the show to her social media. And she's got a lots lots of friends in the industry, sort of being a, a, a talented muso herself. So that's really supportive, and thank you, our old mate Lily. Good on you. And we'll also see everyone at Cardinia Cultural Centre this Saturday night. Get your tickets at the door. Rewind eighties uh, band. How very exciting! Yeah, mixtape tour, video clips, all that stuff. Get them. It's not too late. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of walk-ins, but you know, basically, come down and and uh, sit down and. Watch an 80s show. Good on you guys. Jump up and dance as well while you're there. Good on you. Any we more, love you. Yeah. Any more information, rewind80sband.com. Good on you guys. If it's music, mateys. Or cool shit from the 80s. We're going to talk about it. Unfucking real. <laughs>